Welcome to the Autism and Theology podcast, brought to you by the Centre for Autism and Theology at the University of Aberdeen. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Autism and Theology. I'm Zoe, one of your hosts. I'm so excited to be working on this podcast and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it progresses. This podcast is a space where we will engage with the latest conversations in the field of autism and theology, share relevant resources and promote ways in which both faith and non-faith communities can enable autistic people to flourish. We have some wonderful guests lined up for our episodes, which will be released on the first Wednesday of every month. Some are academics working in the field, others are people with life stories to share, and some are both. We will also be releasing Cat Chats every third Wednesday of the month. These are shorter, more informal episodes where your hosts will share news and give you as listeners an opportunity to ask questions and share your stories. This podcast is run from the University of Aberdeen Centre for Autism and Theology, which, as you will gather, we usually abbreviate it to CAT. Today, I am joined by CAT's co-directors, Grant McCaskill and Leon Van Omen. So before we hear a little bit about you both, for our listeners who are maybe new to conversations about autism and theology, if you could sum up what autism and theology is in one or two sentences, what would you say? Uh, well, for me, I think I would want to begin by saying that autism and theology shouldn't be overdefined uh, in the sense that we're really talking about hosting kinds of conversations um, and trying not to put too many limits on, on what that might mean. But at the same time, I think what autism and theology or autism and theology really is all about is bringing together uh, two areas of thought and conversation that are mutually relevant to each other and have the capacity to change how we think about the other. So theology really is God talk. Um, and there's a tradition of thinking about what it means to engage in proper and appropriate God talk, including, and I think this is really interesting for autism, including the recognition that there are some uh, aspects to thinking about God that actually are beyond language, that cannot be articulated. There's a point where silence is appropriate, and also there's a point where um, non-speech is appropriate in thinking about God. Um, that, I think, becomes quite interesting when you, you bring that to bear on autism and to think about the ways in which thinking about autism can be transformed as we also think about God. But also autism studies and um, the issues around autism have the capacity to change the way that we think about theology. I think particularly because they challenge the ways that we tend to impose particular normativities um, onto all of our thinking including our thinking about God. So the extent to which we think about God in ways that are driven by a kind of tacit ableism or a kind of tacit account of what it means to be normal uh, and how thinking about autism as difference from that challenges 
some of these things. So it's it's really for me about the mutuality of thinking about God and thinking about autism. Thanks so yeah. much for that, Grant. Sorry, Leon, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, sure. Um, I can't do better than that, but um, I can do different from that, maybe. No, the, the way I would say, um, what is autism and theology about? Um, it is about theology and doing theology from or through the lens of autism. Um, that doesn't mean that you need to be autistic in order to do autism theology. Um, maybe you need to be autistic in order to do to do autistic theology. But autism theology, more broadly, can be done by autistic and non-autistic people. And it is basically is doing theology and any any topic within theology that you would normally discuss can be discussed within autism theology as well but through that lens of autism. So if you take the basic presumption, if you want, or um, assumption that being autistic means that um, the way you experience the world, the way you think about things is different from that normalities that Grant was just talking about. Um, well, what does that mean for theology? If you're thinking differently, if you're sensory experience of the world is different, all of that um, from how theology is normally done, how church is done, how faith is thought about. Well, what does that mean if you if you look at all those questions, theological questions through that lens? So that's my two cents on that. Amazing. Thank you both so much for sharing those really helpful definitions that just so wonderfully encapsulate what this field's about. Um, Grant, would you like to tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you became interested in the field of autism and theology? So I was um, formally diagnosed as autistic um, about three years ago. Um, I've known for a lot longer that I was autistic. And and I should say, as a side note, I don't think it's necessary um, for people to have formal diagnosis. Um, and for many people, actually, it's very difficult to get formal diagnosis. Um, for my part, um, I pursued a formal diagnosis for various personal reasons. And, and until that was confirmed, again, for various personal reasons, I didn't particularly want to say a lot publicly about the fact that I was autistic. Um, I'm very happy um, to communicate that publicly now. But that's really been the context for a long time of my interest in autism and theology. Um, in that sense, I'm, you know, I'm in the category of many people who were diagnosed late in life. Um, and although I've known for a long time that I was autistic, it was still something that I came to realise as an adult um, in their late 30s and then into their 40s. Um, one of the things that struck me as I began to think about autism and began to realise that I was autistic and then began to read about work that was being done on autism and faith is that a lot of the work that was being done came from, uh, again, quite ableist perspectives or quite particular perspectives that tended to think about autism as a bad thing. Um, and I didn't like that because although there were aspects of my autistic experience that were um, that weren't entirely easy. Um, the idea that being autistic was intrinsically bad 
which is the way that some of these people were talking and the way that some of these people were using autism, um, that made me very uncomfortable. So part of my growing interest in autism and theology was actually about um, how we could develop more positive accounts of autism and specifically more positive theological accounts of autism um, and develop more positive understandings of autistic people within the community of the church. Thanks for sharing that, Grant. It's yeah, really interesting to hear your background with um, your research interests. Leon, how about you? How I got interested in autism? Um, I think through a lot of people that I knew in my close and not so close environment who identified as autistic, and, and that was just very interesting. And then at one point you started to realise that very often those people didn't feel comfortable in church uh, or not necessarily in their studies or those kind of things. And that just made me really, really interested in it. And then um, I guess coming to Aberdeen uh, now seven years ago, I think in 2016, um, working with Grant, working with John Swinton, Brian Brock um, in, in the area of disability theology, which is not necessarily the same, but there, I, I would say that's a parallel discourse. Um, made me even more aware of those kind of questions. And um, then when the center started, that was kind of, yeah, my, um, I don't know, uh, that that was how I really got involved with it. But I think that's a question for later. But um, yeah, that's, that's how I uh, got my interest in this. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And you've both had various publications um, related to autism. Would you be willing to share a little bit about those? Yeah, I published an article. I'll actually make two comments about my publications. Um, one is just to say a little bit about what they are, but then also to say a little bit about self-reflection on those publications. So I published an article, um, I think in 2017, which, which was my first real attempt to think about um, not just autism and theology, but particularly my own area of autism and, and biblical studies. Um, that was published in the Journal of Disability and Theology, which um, was subject to certain sector expectations about the kind of language that is to be used and is to be standardised. So in that first article, I followed the requirement to use person first language and to use the terminology of ASD, Autistic Spectrum Disorder, for the condition. Um, I then followed that up with a more substantial study called um, Autism in the Church, looking at the, the Bible, theology and community in relation to autism. Um, both of these works were intended to press back on some of the negative theological accounts of autism that I mentioned before, um, which I won't say much about just now, except to say that, that they were using autism uh, essentially as representative of a kind of human brokenness and a kind of human incapacity to relate properly to God and to others. So they were really drawing upon what we often refer to as, as the medical account of autism that approaches autism as a condition of deficit. So I was uncomfortable with that. Um, but looking back on both of those two works, I, I probably still wasn't as explicitly critical of some of the elements of um, 
contemporary research, contemporary medical research onto autism than I would be now. So there was the beginning of some reflection on the linguistics of autism research. Um, but I would probably be, um, if I were to, to be given the opportunity to write both of those works again, I would probably rewrite elements of them and change the kind of language that I used. And that this is something that I think we'll come back to, but I think it connects to the fact that one of the values of the centre is to be, in a sense, just committed to an ongoing repentance over um, the language that we use, and not necessarily repentance over the things we've done egregiously wrong, but over the fact that there might be better and more appropriate ways to speak of autism, and over the fact that the the values held by the autistic community are changing all the time. So one example of that, I promise I'll stop talking in a moment, but one example of that is um, the language of neurodiversity, which for some people has become actually quite quickly problematic uh, because of some comments that have been made by the person that first coined the language of neurodiversity, or at least the person that first gave it its, um, its preeminence. So we always, I think, need to be attentive to the changing associations of, of the language that we use and to be prepared to, to develop and, and to move on. Great, Leon, how about you? Would you like to tell us a little bit about your publications and things that you work on? Sure. Uh, well, let me let me just start with the most exciting thing in my life at the moment, and that is that my book on autism is coming out uh, in a month's time, so the 1st of October. So I'm really excited about that. Um, that's a reflection of the work that I've done over the last couple of years, um, maybe really since the since the beginning of my work in, in this field. Um, so it's it's not one research project that led to the publication of that book. Uh, it's It's more kind of Okay, this is currently my state of thinking, and as Grant just wonderfully explained, um, that that thinking will change over time, inevitably. And maybe in ten years' time, I regret what I've written now. But at the moment, I'm I'm really pleased with it. So, <laughs> um, really really happy for that book to come out. Um, my work is a bit more in practical theology. So where Grant is in in biblical studies, New Testament studies, I'm in practical theology. So my my questions are very much based on what does it mean to be a church community where everyone belongs, uh, whether autistic or non-autistic. And that has been a question that, I mean, that preceded my interest in autism. That has always been my question in theology. Like, what, what in a way, I can't stand when people are excluded. So so what, what leads to that exclusion, uh, whether that is because of, of mental health or because of whatever it is? Um, and so, so that that is still driving my research, and very much so also in my work in autism. And then um, I'm really interested in worship liturgy. That's that's kind of my my um, background. And so, yeah, my book is called Autism and Worship, and that brings the two together really. So it's it's a liturgical theology. But what I've tried to do in the book is um, for those working in the field of liturgy or more broadly theology, uh, but that are not aware of autism or are not like familiar with the discourses, I spent quite a bit of time in the book um, writing about the history of autism, writing about the language that we use that Grant also referred to. Um, and, in, and then the book moves more to liturgical theology to give an answer to 
that question of why is it that autistic people very often feel excluded from church and not only feel but also are excluded um what are the dynamics uh that that kind of underpin that the exclusion and and what might uh, a theological a liturgical theological answer look like and to be honest i used a lot of grant's work actually but not the publications that he just referred to but more uh, other work in biblical studies so it just seemed appropriate to to do that so um, yeah that's a bit of about my publications yeah and we'll be hearing more about leon's publications in a future episode as well grant how did the center of autism and theology start and what was its initial purpose so we started the center um a few years ago um in a sense to give uh, an institutional home to some of the clusters of research interests that we had within the department um, and also that we were aware of growing nationally and internationally around autism and theology. So we wanted just to try and create some kind of home that this research could be associated with and identified with um, to facilitate the growth of networks and so on. And particularly the, the key value that uh, defined our research over against some other research in autism and theology was this concern to develop uh, a positive, though honest, account of, of autism. Um, so avoiding these essentially negative representations of autism um, and developing something that would be seriously committed to um, affirming autism, while also taking seriously the the challenges that I and others certainly have experienced as autistic people. On that level, I think one of the key things around the the centre has been a recognition of the need to develop a global discourse, um, and in fact, I might even qualify that language somewhat by saying uh, a global but also an indigenous discourse about autism. Um, when we talk about global, we can sometimes actually be talking in quite Western, Northern terms, globalized terms. So I think it's it's important that what, what we're talking about is fostering a discourse around autism that takes into account perspectives from around the world and it takes seriously cultural aspects of autism as well as ecclesial and theological aspects of autism. Um, you know, we we often reach for things like the social model of autism as as an alternative to medical models, but the social model itself, if if we're not careful, there is a risk that that we can use models, any models, in ways that are particularly driven by. Um, Western, urban, to be honest, fairly privileged values. Um, so really part of the, the, the intent of the centre was to, to create an institutional context where we could support these, these um, international conversations that would take into account a range of theological and cultural identities of autistic people, a range, if you like, of intersectionalities. It's also important that um, we created the centre separately from the Centre for Disability and Theology that we already had in Aberdeen 
And that's to recognise, as Leon's already said, that autism isn't necessarily perceived as a disability by people who are autistic um, or not everyone who's autistic will want to identify as it, as disabled. Um, I do. I'm happy to identify that way. And many are. But not everyone is. And also, I think what's important is that there's a there's a sense of uh, again, actually, intersectional connection between autism and a range of differences from what people would often categorize as normal, um, which are aligned with the Center for Disability and Theology, but also align with other aspects of um, non-normative identities, if, if you like. So creating a center that was about autism and theology, we originally had a much more wordy title for the center for which I take entire blame. Um, but creating the Centre for Autism and Theology was a way of hosting really just a, a, a range of intersectional conversations. Yeah, and then Leon became involved a few years ago. Do you want to share a little bit about your role as coming on as a co-director? Yeah, um, so for that, we need to go a little bit back. Um, so when Grant came up with this idea for the centre, um, I, I remember that we were talking just outside King's College, I think it was, and he mentioned the idea to me. And, and I was, to be honest, I looked blank probably. And, and I was, but it took me 10 seconds. And then I thought, this is just brilliant. But I had, I, I will confess that it took me 10, 10 seconds. Um, so it came right at a time where um, I moved from a fixed term contract as teaching fellow to a permanent contract as, as lecturer. And that meant also that um, uh, I had to think about my research because as a teaching fellow, research was not much included in the contract. But now I had uh, a significant portion of my time uh, allocated to research. And one of the things that my line manager at the time said was, well, you need to think about your research niche. Uh, what are you going to do? What is your going your original contribution as it were and all those conversations happens at the same time and so for me it then became quite obvious well autism liturgy two of my interests okay uh, let's see what that intersection might look like and so i started working on that and then um i guess because i was in a new position i just had a little bit more time on my hands uh and so every month i would go to grant grant i've got this idea and grant i've got that idea and grant never had time to listen to that well he he graciously listened to all my uh, bad ideas and some good ones maybe um but then at one point uh grant said well why, why don't you become co-director uh because then you can just uh take those decisions and just don't well he didn't say don't bother me but i think that's what he meant um <laughs> no that was just tongue-in-cheek but um so i i became co-director i think it was summer of 2020 and uh, and that just enabled me that allowed me to to uh, take more initiative with the center and and uh, help it grow um which is a real joy but the other thing to say um in terms of the co-directorship which is important to mention i think is um it was not just a practical decision uh it was also a deliberate decision uh, because we want the sense to be led by autistic and non-autistic people at the same time. So what you sometimes get in the autism discourse, um, there, there is, and I think it's a, it's a minority, but there is some autistic people who are quite, I don't know a better word than militant. 
um maybe that's the wrong word but so correct me if i'm wrong but it's 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 a it's a part of the discourse that says that you can only do autism research if you're autistic and and others just don't have anything to say about this right um and that just doesn't sit comfortably if you think about church and again that's my interest and 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 also in, in grant's book he talks a lot about church of course uh, it, as his subtitle of the book uh, says um but in church we are not just autistic of, or or only autistic people or only non-autistic people in church we are the body of christ living together right and so what does that mean to live together and i think what we are keen for our center is to think about those questions together so i think if you if you look at everyone who is involved um in terms of staff in terms of students in terms of uh people from out with aberdeen who are involved with our center i think it's it's a pretty good mix it's i haven't done i, I haven't counted it but I, I think it's almost 50 50 autistic non-autistic which i'm pretty proud of actually because i think that's a really good balance because in that way we can really think about all these questions about community about theology together and rather than kind of have that antagonism we can work towards reconciliation within the body of christ but also live that body of christ not just within the walls of the church but actually in our academic environments if that's not too much to say if if i can just say on the back of that as well um i mean practically speaking it's been really important for for me to have leon involved as a co-director um as as an artist as a as an artistic professional um i'm increasingly aware of areas where i find certain activities to be extremely difficult um partly because they involve a lot of coordination and coordination of people other than myself um but also because the complexity of tasks involved in that coordination can often be very disruptive to to the thing that I'm focused on at any given time. So I like to be able to compartmentalize and focus my time. And I find it very difficult if I'm not able to do that. Um, and actually this kind of leadership role does require a, a lot of um, engaging in complex tasks, multiple complex tasks effectively simultaneously. Leon's done a great job of that. The, the center wouldn't be where it is without Leon's leadership. Um, so that's been really fantastic. And from my point of view, it means that we've got, uh, I think, a really a great combination of interests and abilities. But it's also been important that we we were very intentional about a leadership structure that maintained autistic leadership, but also the involvement of, of non-autistic in terms of creating some kind of community. So we have a we have an advisory board that meets um, fairly regularly. The balance of that advisory board is of um, people who are either diagnosed or formally identify as autistic. So it is really a, a, a board led by autistic people, um, but with representation from other contexts as well. And that's been really great, not least because actually there, there's a diversity of autistic opinion. <laughs> present on the board. You know, it's not that everyone um, is necessarily on the same page about what they think with things or, and I use this image, this this um, saying with, with a certain appropriateness here, but it's not that everyone is singing from the same hymn book. Um, and that creates a really interesting dynamic 
Um, some of us are more sensitive to some issues than others. Um, some of us have very different takes on some of the points of intersection with other areas of advocacy and um, non-normativity. So, um, yeah, I mean, the centre has, the centre, I think, has grown in ways that we didn't necessarily expect, but for which we're, we're really very grateful. Yeah, it's fascinating to hear about the dynamic between both of you and just, yeah, that importance of who we bring into discussions and hearing different voices is definitely at the heart of the centre. It's very much, um, you can see it as a researcher and being involved in the centre. Um, do you want to share a little bit more about what the centre looks like kind of week to week, month to month, what the role of the centre is within the university and the wider society? Leon, I think you should do that because you're, you're the person that really does the lion's share of the actual organisation. And I've also been on research leave quite a lot for the last while. So I think it's most appropriate that Leon shares this and also gets the credit for the organisational work of the week to week stuff that goes on, as sh should you, Zoe, for the work that you've done in, in all of this, too. Yeah, thanks, Grant. And and absolutely big shout out to Zoe because she is helping us out with a lot of practical uh, stuff. And um, I'm, I'm just incredibly grateful for that. Um, yeah, so so let me start with a week to week and, and maybe Grant can pick up for the the role in the wider society and all of that. But I'll, I'll try to say something about it as well. So on a week to week basis, very practically, what does it look like? I think the core of our centre um, in, in the practical running of things is our Tuesday meeting. So this is a group of researchers, mainly PhD students, um, a couple of staff members, uh, but also people uh, from out with Aberdeen, uh, people associated with other universities, whether staff or students there. Um, because one of the, the things that we try to be, uh, we haven't used that word yet, but the important word is that we try to be a hub, uh, an international hub, an interdisciplinary hub. So we have people uh, joining from, from computing science, from uh, critical autism studies. Um, most will be theologians, though, but yeah. So the interdisciplinarity that is important, but but we, as Grant said, we, we try to create that home for people and for the discourse. And so we try to bring in people um, whenever they are interested, uh, whether they are affiliated with Aberdeen or not. So that Tuesday group is is kind of the the, the heartbeat of the center because they're um, what I've noticed is over time um, we create a discourse together, and that doesn't mean that we all necessarily agree on every detail, um, but it allows us to talk together about views of autism and all of that, things that Grant was talking about in the beginning of this uh, episode. And and that is incredibly helpful. And I, I find it really helpful as a researcher. Um, I, I'm inclined to think that students find it helpful as well, but uh, Zoe, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, uh, so, so yeah, the, the Tuesday meeting uh, of that research group, that's the heartbeat. And we discuss articles, we discuss our own work, our own writings. Um, so this group has given in incredible, helpful uh, feedback on my book, for example, uh, when it was in the earlier stages. Um, and then uh, what we also do, we have four webinars uh, each year. Um, so we try to invite uh, guest speakers, do a webinar. Those recordings are always on YouTube. Um, we caption them, so someone captioned, it's not just auto-caption, but we are quite keen on, on having correct captions uh, in terms of accessibility, that is really important. 
Um, what else do we do? We we are launching a podcast. Hey, with monthly episodes, so that is great as well. Um, am I forgetting things? Yeah, and I think a lot of the of the the daily running of the center also is associated with the PhD students. So uh, we have an increasing number of PhD students studying on autism um, and and theology. Um, most of them at the moment in practical theology, uh, but um, yeah, we actually, I, can I just do a kind of a call for students who want to uh, study other subjects as well? Because I think inevitably um, the first pressing questions, I think for the center and for the people involved to, and, 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 and we picked up interest from corners in the world that we didn't necessarily knew that there was an interest but the, the pressing issues seem to be around community about worship like what, what does it mean on a sunday uh, as it were um but i think as we as we move on with the center and as the discussions move on we are increasingly picking up other discussions that are maybe more fundamental maybe not immediately practically relevant although i think those fundamental issues are incredibly important for practical issues as well and so it's yeah, I think it's time that more people are going to do New Testament studies from an autistic perspective, for example. Um, so yeah, so I think just just to work with the students is 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 a huge part of the center. Um, but then also, of course, collaboration with with other uh, researchers uh, from all over the world's uh, interdisciplinary research, all of that. So that's a bit about uh, what the daily running of the center looks like. And now I've talked way too much, so I'm going to um, refer to Grant for the 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 question about um, the importance for the university and the wider society. So I think um, the importance for the university, or maybe a slightly different way to put it, would be the place within the university and the wider society. Um, there's, a, there's simply an organisational aspect to that, which is that the university has various centres for research. And those centres uh, can be important institutional homes for um, research activity both at the staff level and at the and at the doctoral level. Uh, so as such centres are associated often with funding and with funding applications um, and that's actually probably worth saying that um, one of our priorities is to try and raise funds especially to support doctoral level research into autism and, and theology. So we try and identify um, funding schemes that we might tap into um, and also private funders. And that's something that we're really just beginning to do. So we don't really have a lot of resources to support financially um, uh, doctoral research at this stage, but we are hopefully trying to identify that at the moment. Um, the bigger issue, I think, uh, or the, the the broader issue is how the centre contributes to what I'll just call the life um, and even the, mo the moral life of the university, because I think um, it fits within it it fits within a particular task uh, or a particular set of priorities that I think the university sector in general is very widely aware of. Uh, which are often labelled as tasks of inclusion um, and of diversity. Um, the problem with that language of inclusion and diversity is that while universities talk about it, they can often deal with it 
in fairly superficial or even kind of box ticking kinds of ways. And this is one of the things that disability theology has actually for a long time been very sensitive to. Um, and the way that it's sometimes expressed is, is that there's a big difference between inclusion and belonging. Uh, the inclusion agenda is often about taking down the barriers for people to get into an organisation or to get access to an organisation. And that can often simply mean taking down the barriers that keep people out. But it doesn't necessarily mean thinking about what it means for those people to then belong within the environment. Um, including that, you know, the vital insight that if you belong in an environment, then that environment is lessened if you're if you are absent and it's lessened if you don't flourish in the environment. So actually, I think one of the really interesting things is that the centre's work and particularly these regular meetings of the centre do actually think seriously about what it means for autistic people to flourish in the academic context, in the university context. And as such, I think creates a resource that can speak into um, wider conversations about inclusion and diversity and get past the superficiality that often characterises um, those conversations. And that also then relates to the question of wider society. Uh, so we find a lot of churches, um, a lot of church leaders are coming to us for advice um, not that we necessarily feel competent to answer those requests for advice often. Um, and also sometimes the advice being requested, I think, isn't necessarily of an appropriate sort. But we are, I, I think, a, a, a hub that churches are becoming increasingly aware of, but also that media are becoming aware of. So um, I've been interviewed on Radio 4, I've taken part in the panel on Radio 4, um, one of our one of the members of our advisory panel um, has contributed quite frequently, actually, to BBC productions. Um, so we're we're serving um, wider society through various outlets, and I think the core thing within that is is actually precisely the lived experience of autistic people and of non-autistic partners or co-investors, if you like, people who are also invested in the topic. Um, the lived experience aspect and how that combines with theology really is the vital thing. Um, Organisations will, will always, I think, deal with vital topics in superficial ways. Um, and I think the value of something like the Centre for Autism and Theology, as with other centres, interested in these intersectional issues is actually injecting some substance into what it really means to help autistic Christians or other autistic believers flourish, whether it's in church or in universities or in degree pathways. And actually the changes, the changes required for people to be able to flourish, the structural changes, might be much bigger than people are ready to, to think about. I mean, Leon and I have talked about this a lot that the way in which I operate as an autistic academic and the way in which our autistic academics operate as doctoral students actually doesn't necessarily fit terribly well with the way that we think about the management of doctoral processes. Um, you need to think really seriously about this stuff if, if, if you're going to be, if you're genuine 
about helping people flourish. It's it's more than just tweaking this or that. It's actually about taking seriously the kinds of change that's required. And I, I mean, this is a little thing that I've said before, but you know, you, you can have a an organisation that has a disability policy, or that has an inclusion policy, or that even has a neurodiversity policy. But if you're not thinking seriously about how that affects um, the the cleaning products that you use um, and the the scents that come from them or the arrangement of your lighting, are you really taking seriously um, what you're talking about with inclusion? Thank you so much for such incredible insights into the centre and how it works and why these conversations are so important. I think something just to add to that, this is where I am really looking forward to seeing where this podcast fits in because I hope that our listeners um, feel that they're part of this community because it's not just a community for academics or PhD students or um, people involved in the university in whatever way, it's for the general public and for people to engage with us. Grant, do you have something else to add? Well, just right on the back of what you were saying, and the thing that jumps into mind as well, and it's partly because we're talking to you, is that there are um, there are also other conditions that often often occur with autism, um, but also the issues around those conditions or those identities um, are often quite parallel to autism. Um, so whether it's other forms of what people might talk about as neurodivergences. Um, or whether it's other uh, identities that simply don't fit a particular social norm, um, whether that's what wider society continues considers to be normal, or whether it's what church deems to be normal. So that you know, just I think the the, the people who will find elements that resonate with their own experience in this podcast and in, in what the centre is doing are not just autistic people and those interested in autism. Um, but we'll include people interested in all other kinds of diversities and divergences. Absolutely. And if I may just pick up on that comment that you made, Zoe, that um, we hope that that this is not just a community for PhD students and, and, and researchers. Uh, one thing that I forgot to mention in the daily running of the centre is that we also have a group for autistic Christian leaders who are in, in church leadership. Um, and so that's a monthly meeting as well. So just to add to that daily running, but also emphasizing the point that we 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 are a research center, we are in the university, but actually hope to serve the wider society, whether that's church, faith organizations, or even other organizations. Uh, so yeah, just add that to that. Um, so we've touched on what the center, or well, we've spoken a lot about what the center does just now. How do you both see the center developing um, over the next short term, long term? Yeah, how do you see it developing? All right, um, that's a great question. I think in the short term, we need to make sure that we can maintain what we have. So we have grown quite a bit as a centre over the past couple of years. And um, it's not a secret, I think, uh, to say that this is done with very, very limited resources. And so there's the question of sustainability. That's also why this podcast, for example, has been a year in the making before we launched this, because we wanted to think about 
can we sustain this in the long run rather than after two episodes say well okay that was a great idea but folks this was it um right so so that is one of the things just just maintaining what we have and 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 making just just make sure that that is sustainable um but if you ask me what i would be dreaming about um i think one of the the things that is obvious in in autism discourse is that the definitions of autism change and so um autism is not a stable concept if you look at some of the research being done some of the the proposals being made by uh researchers on neurodivergence more widely uh you see that there is uh quite a bit of overlap between some of the neurodivergent conditions, if condition is even the right word. Um, and so I'd be curious to see how that is going to develop. So in other words, in 30 years time, will we even use the word autism anymore? Now, that makes me think uh, about how we as a center can develop. And what I would be, what I'd be dreaming of is that we can actually um, become not home to the autism discourse, but to a much wider discourse. So we've already adopted you uh, studying on dyslexia, you know, and because well, there is there is to insofar we know there is no research centers to, that do theology and neurodiversity. Um, and so my dream would be that we have just a multi-million grant and can support researchers in dyslexia and ADHD, Tourette's, whatever, um, and and have that wider discourse because those discourses are are so much related to each other, and those are so important for the church as well, uh, and for academy. And so, yeah, um, my dream is that there is a listener and gives me just ten grants and just you know, <laughs> at least, and and that we can hire PhD students and postdocs and all of that. So, but. Yeah, uh, apart from money, um, that that be where I can see, and I don't know, I mean, this discussion that we will have to have with the advisory group, and that is a discussion that is not just a one-off, that is an ongoing discussion, I think. How will the centre develop? But if you're asking me, my dream would be that we can have that wider discourse, uh, which I think fits in where the autism discourse in general is heading. I think the other thing I might add to that is um, this idea of a global quality to the discourse. Um, for one thing, I think we want to see more of a conversation emerging with uh, groups beyond Christianity um, and to think about dialogue across uh, group borders, but also just across, across community borders. Um, but I also think that um, to some extent, much of the discourse around autism continues to reflect the, the privileges of certain communities in the developed world. And as, as we seek to seriously globalize and indigenize the conversation, um, there's a lot that needs to be thought through um, and a lot that needs to be treated with care as we seek to raise awareness and seek to develop conversations with partners outside of the global north. Um, and that's where, um, you know, one of the interesting things that, that shapes a lot of autism conversation is where it takes place. And if you look at the, the demographics of the UK, um, I, I mean, I have a graphic somewhere that shows these, these demographics from the Pew Research Council. Um, 
but I think the per, the percentage of um, the, the percentage of people in the UK who consider religion to be important is somewhere in the in the low to mid teens. Um, now that's significant, actually, because that represents itself a minority view. And if we're going to take seriously the place of minorities, then we need to take seriously that community. But if you if you look then at somewhere like Ethiopia, 99% of the population considers religion to be important. And the key thing that I think differentiates these is not just the importance, but is the sense that um, the importance of religion, therefore, colours all aspects of conversation. So in other words, you can't segregate the conversation about autism from the conversation about religion, and you can't segregate the conversation about religion from conversations about politics, about identity, and so on and so forth. Where our, the way of thinking that predominates in, in the UK and to some extent in North America, um, and certainly generally in Western Europe, will tend to tend to think it's possible to effectively segregate ideas from each other. Um, and that's a challenge. And that's actually, that's the context in which, for example, the social model of, of disability has developed. So it's not necessarily as attentive as it needs to be to where um, religious factors, faith factors, community factors, cultural factors bear on the experience of autism, bear on the experience of disability, um, bear on other experiences of difference um, and how the community might negotiate that. So actually the global aspect and the indigenous aspect is I think a really important part of where things will go, but it's very hard to know quite how it will go there. Yeah, and just to add to that, um, if you look at what research, autism research in general looks like, um, there's even within the autistic community, certain people who are more privileged than others, as it were. Um, so, for example, um, 25 to 35% of autistic people are estimated to be non or minimally speaking. However, they make up 2% of all autistic participants in research. And then not all research actually includes autistic participants. So so it's a very, very tiny minority. And, and that's that's not a thing I should have said that, um, that I'm personally, but also for the center really keen on that we that we are much more attentive to groups within autism research that are excluded. And that comes back to religion as well. Um, if you look at, for example, black communities, even in the UK, um, I don't know what the percentages are for how important they think religion is, but it's much higher than for the general or the white population, I think. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. I just don't remember the figures. Um, and so, but but if you then look at studies on autism in black communities in the UK, I think there is at the moment three studies, only three, right? And one of them is done by actually someone, Ali Kameka, who is a friend of our center who did a webinar. And so that's on YouTube as well. Just look at it on motherhood. Um, but even that research is on motherhood. It's it's not involving the autistic people themselves. So so you, there there is a kind of almost a hierarchy in who participates in the research, and I think that is something that we also really need to take into account uh, as we develop as a centre, and and that is something that we need to do in the immediate future. Yeah, and I think just as a 
I guess, as, as part of the role that the centre might play within academic discourse generally, um, one of the key things is to, I guess, agitate for a perspective on research that, that takes the significance of religious communities um, and faith communities seriously, and also that recognises the need to um, engage with the leadership of those communities, but in a way that that is respectful. And you know, this is one of the big challenges: is is that um, there may be aspects of the the value system held with within communities that are um, that the researcher themselves finds difficult or doesn't agree with. Um, and that's fine, but we need to foster a culture where we can engage respectfully with that. Um, even if, if we want that to change, um, we have to engage respectfully with it and think about how to change it, not by imposing a particular set of supposedly enlightened values on the community, but by thinking about what it means to work with the community to reflect upon its own values and um, to, to reconsider um, how its autistic members might be enabled to flourish. It's actually really inspiring hearing both of you talk about where the centre, um, where you would love the centre to go and just, yeah, it makes me feel very privileged to be part of these discussions and yeah, as I said earlier, I really hope that our listeners feel excited about um, being a part of this community as well. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today on this first ever episode. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear from you both. And yeah, it's just such an amazing community that's doing really great work for autistic and other neurodivergent people. And thank you so much to our listeners. Um, if you have any questions from the episode more generally or specifically for Leon or Grant, please send us a message on Twitter at Autism Theology or Instagram at the Centre for Autism and Theology or send us an email at cat at abdn.acuk. We would love to hear from you, whether it's a question or you just want to say hi, we would, yeah, please get in touch. And on the 20th of September, we will have our first cat chat episode where myself and your two other hosts, Ian and Krisha, will be sharing a bit about ourselves. But yeah, it's been so great to chat today and yeah, we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Autism and Theology podcast. If you have any questions for us or just want to say hi, please email us at cat at abdn.ac.uk or find us on Twitter at Autism Theology.